Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Horror Bites on Safebrew, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm your brilliant but chilly scientist, Neil Bob, and joining me as always is fruity wine connoisseur, Jay Krieger. <laughs> Amen. This week, we're trying to solve a murder mystery in 10 minutes or less, and then we're off to the Arctic, where the only thing frostier than the weather is a reception from your colleagues. These games can be found on Itch.io, and if you play them or enjoy them, Make them happy little games by helping the developers out with a few coins, or maybe even just following their project. So, Jay, before we don our warmest jackets and pocket our largest whiskey flasks, it's time to sip a little wine and solve a little murder in our first pick this week. What is on the menu? On the menu is raspberry wine developed by Spaceberg's team. This was created in 48 hours for Game Maker's Toolkit Jam, in which the theme was roles reversed. Much like last week's pick, uh, which was unbeknownst to me until I got around to this one. Uh, <laughs> but it's great to see, you know, another entry in that category. And that's probably happened once or twice in uh, Horror Bites history. But it's just cool to see a project that is, I am as excited to chat about, um, if not a little bit more so than the previous one. Um, and in Raspberry Wine, it's about a group of friends and acquaintances who meet at a remote cabin where one of them is subsequently murdered, a murder that the player acts out. Mm. And then the role is changed from killer to detective. And the detective is trying to deduce which of the remaining party guests is the culprit. Um, clearly, you are not cued in on who the killer is. Um, but I was really taken with the fact that, you know, you begin the game in the killer's shoes and get to act out that murder. And then basically, I was kind of like, oh, wait, am I going to be killing other people? Am I trying to do that covertly? And then having the more traditional role of a detective kind of change and swap that out, um, I found to be a nice sort of contrasting of experiences. And if anything, um, it made me feel more engaged immediately with the story rather than perhaps the traditional sort of buildup and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of the detective aspect of things, I was a, really a fan of not only sort of the briskness, brisk nature of those interviews, 
But at the same time, it has this feature where every time you interview somebody, it gives you basically the cliff notes of your interview mm. with their answers above their head, which was really like this small detail, but a detail that when you you know have to ask three questions per five uh, potential suspects, like that's a lot to keep track of. And I could understand like some developers maybe were like, oh, you know, you could just go back and, you know, they got 48 hours. They can't uh, maybe do all of the little tidbit extras that they want. But this showed a great attention to, I think, just overall the craft of this experience, which something small as that when I'm interviewing as many characters as I am, it kept a nice brisk pace rather yeah. than getting bogged down. Um, it was more about asking the player to really put their head to the grindstone and think, oh, well, what is conflicting here and what is not? Rather than sort of this laborious thing of going back and then clicking through the answers and then making notes and whatnot, which maybe some people are into and maybe I'd be into if this was a full-fledged game. But for this bite slice of horror, um, it makes sense why, you know, this yeah. is a little bit streamlined, but streamlining shouldn't be taken with any sort of negative connotation. No, no, no. Um, but I would say also just I like the general flow and the funneling of the questions and whatnot. Once you get through that first round, you're given your first piece of information, which then funnels it down to these three characters. And it's like, oh, you guys were all upstairs at the same exact time. I don't think so. So mm. then you get to do your secondary round of questioning and then you get to further deduce who the killer is. And without spoiling, of course, who the killer is, there is an aspect to this that I really like. And it's about the POV shift again, because yeah. depending on who you choose to be the killer, you're then given a POV from the killer's perspective again, and they say whether or not you got it right. And there's, you know, additional detail and whatnot, which again, I thought in terms of like a role reverse theme for this game jam, how often do you actually play the killer in something that is essentially a visual novel, hmm. right? There's a little bit more animation here than I think typically we associate with those visual novels. But at the same time, this does a really great job of having an expressive art style, I thought. It yeah. did, it, like, you can derive a certain personality almost from each of the characters, even before you interview them, and you get to know their sort of relationships and tendencies in these things. But yeah, Raspberry Wine was probably one of my favorite visual novels that we've covered for the show because it's just has the right layer of art style atmosphere, but then also player choice in a mm. way that I really liked. And, you know, you might be asking them the same three questions, but you get these varied responses, which then is entertaining in their own way and establishing who certain characters are and whatnot. Um, but yeah, this was definitely one of my favorite visual novels. Yeah. And no surprise because I think, it's a great example of one of these game jam things where they've taken that very tricky task of making a game that is made for 48 hours, if you know what I mean, in that everything is done to be short, sweet, to the point. Nothing, no, no fat left to be trimmed, just there. And that is it. And it's really hard, clearly, because, you know, I, we've, talked to at length before you know it, the idea of making one of these in 48 hours is just baffling to anyone outside of it you know and obviously even with a few people it's still like you have to really have a great solid vision and it's just so refreshing when you get something like this where you know it has been so clearly executed to perfection and you know that takes a few people getting together having a clear vision, 
doing it. And you think how the industry is at large, at higher levels, where, you know, games can be dragged out for years by politics, inviting whatever, you know, a widening thing. It really speaks to the idea of having smaller teams to help you grow your vision. And, uh, I mean, when we covered uh, the Oxen Free Games in recent times, you know, while there's a clear difference in the level of staff from one to the other, you know, where the original was like three people at the start and then the next one was obviously bigger as they needed it to be, you know, it was a clear vision. And I think having small groups of people makes that a lot easier, especially if you're all of a mind, you know, in the same way that, you know, we do this podcast, you know, and a lot of what we discuss works and our flow works because we are of the same mind in certain regards, you know, I think that's a great advertisement. If you, you have a round table of five people, you know, you're always going to get one that's like, oh, no, you know what? I, I'm of the opinion that Silent Hill uh, Homecoming is the best one or something. Like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it would also make it sometimes you and I go on for two hours, the two of us. Imagine if we had five people on a podcast, it'd be a five hour podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think we get these lengthy uh, bits we, we do. That's for sure. <laughs> so maybe it'd be better. I don't know. But. So. <laughs> But yeah, uh, as a game, it does the murder mystery thing really well. I like the way it does just sort of crunch the numbers down to each individual thing. Quite proud to say I nailed the kill first time. So I, I was very I smug about that. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. But at the same time, I'm, and I guess it's me half saving face, um, but <laughs> I liked the fact that I got it wrong because the ending that you get when you are wrong. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you have that role reversal was just as shocking because I wasn't expecting to go backwards after that. I was kind of like, oh, they got the role reversal in there in the very beginning, and then they got it out of the way for the detective portion, which is arguably the more familiar way for this type of visual novel yeah. to you know, play out. But if anything, it was a nice bonus that I was like, oh, not only did I get it wrong, but the killer is basically gloating about the fact that they just got away with this, which I loved. I thought that was a great sort of dark ending to yeah. it. And then I went through again and got the right answer after that. And I think a little bit of the magic had worn off after that, just because of the fact I had that reveal of, oh, yeah, you get to get back in their shoes if uh, you know you pick poorly. But maybe I'm making excuses for not being able to deduce <laughs> uh, who the killer was the first time. I think there's enough reasonable doubt with a few of the suspects where you go, okay, like that. But it does think that, you know, a lot of um, modern examples of this tend to just give you a bit of an ambiguity where it's like, you can make anyone the killer and that's fine and you won't really know you're right or wrong sort of thing, which I love in Paradise Killer, for instance. But I like that this is very much going down the route of, no, no, there is a default killer, the person you need to you know, nail down, but you, know, you can still finger the wrong person for it but you'll learn that you've done so. And so uh, it, it's nice to sort of see that you can look at the facts, make a deduction on them and, and see, you know, it was right. And yeah, that, that was a really refreshing aspect of it. So yeah, it was a really good use of 48 hours, I'd say. Though. They've made a, a damn fine little thing there. Absolutely. So, uh, before we get to our second pick, we'll take a suitably short break. And welcome back. So, with the mystery solved, the perpetrator in handcuffs, and all that wine probably wasted, 
Let's do that thing that we seem to be rather fond of doing on Horowitz. Yes, let's head off to some barren frostbitten research station and wait to see what weird shit will happen. So, Sirenkel is from Dark Petal 16, who's made a name for themselves with a selection of Undertale-inspired interactive fiction pieces. Uh, there's a little of that in here, but it's not so upfront. Um, in Siren Call, you play the role of a young gifted scientist sent off on a research expedition to the Arctic by your monstrous partner. Um, you know, it, it's generally, again, an interactive fiction, so, you know, a visual novel, if you will. And, yeah, it has some interesting ways of doing choices. So, with this one, Jay, one of the things that, um, struck me straight away was that upfront choice and customization in a visual novel. You know, I thought it was, um, you know, I'm a sucker for customization if it impacts the story in any way, shape or form. And, you know, we've talked about many visual novel games that give you these little subtle choices to uh, language choices and things like that. And this game does that too. Uh, and it's in the Arctic. And it's about a research base, and there's some weird yep. monster shit going on. <laughs> so that was all great, yeah. And but for me, it's like I was looking through the like the, the game page for this, and like looking at the think the game includes bit, and it's just this you know suitably goofy sort of um, list of stuff. And you know, given the developers' sort of history with making Undertale related stuff, that clearly has them a following, you know, uh, at, for, before this, judging by the comments on this game. Um, I was kind of wondering, okay, is it going to be like that? You know, but, um, no, it's actually quite tender, quite serious, um, quite involving, um, and really kind of nailed that very socially awkward thing, you know, about, um, just being the odd one out in a situation and, uh, how uncomfortable that feels. You know, I, I was really surprised at how well that did. And yeah. Um, integrates the idea of just being a world in which monsters and beasts are also living in the same world. You know, I love the, the um, sort of slow reveal at the beginning of this game where, you know, where you're having this sort of tearful send off, uh, for your partner that is basically, you know, sending you off to this base in the, their, instead of themselves. And, you know, it becomes clearer and clearer that they aren't a human, you know, and the, you're getting more and more information about that. And then, the same thing goes with the base, you know, as you're heading towards the base, you find out more about it and its history and how it has a history with certain monsters. And, you know, in this world, monsters aren't always bad. You know, in fact, they're quite acclimatized to our, our world, you know, but there are beasts that are more feral and will be out there. Now here, of course, if you haven't guessed by the title, you know, there's talk of sirens out there near the base. Um, and, you know, that, that is obviously the crux of the story and where it goes. Um, to say more than that would be kind of really ruining it a bit. It's a game, you know, according to what the game page says, has one good ending and nine bad endings. I didn't see a good, I, I didn't see a good one. Let's put it that way. Um, yes, you know, it's described as a, you know, 15 plus romance horror with an obsessive love interest. Uh, which you know, it's true, but not in the way you think. You know, like, when you think when people say that about like um, visual novels, it sometimes it worries me a bit. It's going to be well, it's going to be one of those ones, is it? 
but no, this isn't uh, one of those anime games. I promise you, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a genuinely uh, well put together sort of tale of two beings, you know, and uh, their relationship and the science of what they're doing. And yeah, the horror is very light on it until probably you get to the Arctic and you really get into what's going on. And, you know, I think on my first playthrough, it was very abrupt. You know, it, it just happened. And I was like, oh, like that. But it was effective. And I really I did enjoy that. And I think just generally the way the story plays out, you know, in these sort of long scrolling pages where you can occasionally change the, the context of uh, conversation with like, you know, are you someone that likes to swear or not, for instance, or like um, at the beginning when you choose all your different like, you know, what gender are you, what's, are you able to have had children or not, or, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, add your own name, of course. So it really added a nice personal touch to the story. Um, but, you know, you're still getting the mystery of it when things are sort of slowly unfurling that first time. And like, okay, so there's a bit more about this, a bit more about that. Yeah, I think it was generally a really well written story. You know, I was yeah absolutely. quite impressed with I was quite impressed with that side of it, and you know, a bit of humour in there. That I think the developers quite good at, and without it being like the forefront, you know, of everything. So yeah, I was. It wasn't the game I thought it was going to be, but I think that's the best thing about it. Yeah, you know, I think in I'll build off of the humour comment because when I was looking through the itch.io page. You know, the humor is first and foremost in that when you go down and you read through like the game includes and some features, um, periodically some of the options have crossed out certain words and instead of ones that are a little more favorable uh, in sort of perception of sort of capacity for humor, which then, if anything, I was surprised when the humor is not at the forefront, like you said, and it Mm. comes in very sparingly. But it's more about the execution and the utilization of it rather than it being front and center for a majority of the experience. Same with the sort of uh, character creation aspect. You know, typically with these, it's no, this is an established character that, you know, the visual novel will spend a good deal of time describing, telling you who they are essentially, and then you carry on with the story. And I liked that you can have a little say in sort of the trajectory or just the overall sometimes tone of a conversation that's playing through based upon what you've chosen for your own character and just knowing that, you know, certain conversations might go a certain way based on what you chose, which gives you a little bit more, I suppose, level of involvement, right? Because it's like, oh, I might actually, you know, what if I had done this instead of that for my character? Would that have had a drastic outcome? And just little tidbits like that. Um, I would say also the use of horror is really great because it's not also at the forefront of it, yeah. which... If anything, you know, if you're reading a novel, even a horror novel, right, a majority of the time, I'm more interested in them spending that first hundred pages just with straight up detail about the world, about the characters within it, and then getting into the horror. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like with anything, you don't want to come on too strong with any one aspect. And by the end of it, it's kind of like, okay, well, this was pretty scary for in those first hundred pages, but the last 200 weren't because it kind of revealed everything. Whereas with this, it's the opposite, where when the horror does kick in, it's much more effective because it's been used so sparingly. Um, I would say also, you know, I've always been a sucker for visual novels that do a good job of utilizing both visuals, 
and in terms of visuals for this, it's background. So you get yeah. these nice sprawling backgrounds for all the text to play out on. But, you know, just picking the right visuals, they can be things that are descriptive, but not overly sort of involving, if you will. It's kind of like just a little bit of flavor text for the world. And then, of course, you have the ambient music and also just, you know, music in general that mm. plays, which is a great sense of just creating this atmosphere that you really fall into. And, you know, that initial story aspect of, you know, you're having this difficult goodbye with this person that you clearly you can sense the history between them yeah. almost within the first, you know, two pages of text. And, you know, I think all the ambiance and whatnot really does make that a much more emotional set piece for it or scene within the first five minutes of playing the game and you barely know them, but it just, it catches you up so quickly. It creates that atmosphere. You feel a little bit more engaged with it because, you know, you have this stake in this character that you've created and then you get to go through this world with somebody that you feel a little bit more investment in, I think. And it might not be, I'm not going to say like, oh, it completely fundamentally changes if they had gone in the direction of like a more established character. Hmm. But at the same time, I think that those aspects do a little bit to get you just more invested in it. It's like, okay, this is a character of my creation. I want to see how this plays out and the choices that they make. And given the number of endings there are and the number of customization options, this is the type of visual novel that I would want to go back and replay fairly soon after playing through mm -hmm. the first time. Um, I guess one other thing that I would just say in terms of the attention to dialogue, in the past, some of the visual novels we've played I've found that while, you know, they might have had a branching narrative and you have like two or three options, those options are not always given the same amount of, I suppose, narrative care mm -hmm. that sort of the primary one was, right? Sometimes it feels like, oh, there's one good option and then there's two other options, but they're kind of just like mm -hmm. to appease people that maybe would be, you know, just want more options or largely... Um, giving them another route, but like it always feels like they have the true beat for a story and then there might be deviations, but the deviations are almost not worth yeah. even sort of experiencing. And with this, that's not the case. I found that each of the options for branching dialogue felt like it had the same amount of care that was given to it, both narratively, both emotionally engaging in terms of different characters and the background you get on them. Um, it truly felt like my choices mattered, which is something that I think we get carried away with when we talk about games sometimes because mm. how often do those choices t typically have a drastic output on uh, or impact on what you're playing, right? It's usually, do you want to be good or bad? And in a game such as this, to have options and them not be linked to such sort of simplistic means, um, I was definitely a fan of. And it just furthermore makes me want to go back and replay this with a new character, make new decisions and get branching dialogue that I assume is given just as much care as what I experienced the first time and I'm sure what you experienced in your first playthrough. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I think it's a great you know, show for you know, having a healthy obsession with, with a particular game and like branching your own ideas out into it. You know, the developers sort of thing with Undertale that has permeated their previous work and, it, you know, very much aspects of this. It's great to see that it, it's expanded in a way that is still very much their identity, you know, and really made their stories. You know, like you know, fan fiction gets a lot of knocks, you know, like you know, because why wouldn't it? I get that, but I think this is a great example of the fact that you know it's passion, you know, and 
it's a good starting point for people who want to be creative and, and really make something of that. And, you know, this is it. You know, this is um, a really, really fine example of it going all the way you know, and showing that you can tell a story that's got a bit of everything and, and quite, you know, an interesting way to do a visual novel, uh, an interesting way to do a story. You know, I think some, some of my favourite uh, visual novels so far what we covered are generally the ones that are a bit more melancholy, slower, like to get into the detail a bit. And yeah, th this is another great example of that. Yeah. Anything that's not, you know, super focused on like action set pieces that are playing out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that in the past has had some mixed results. And this was a really great week, I think, for not only visual novels, but visual novels that had varying degrees of animation in them. Right. And we got to see with mine, it was a little bit more about, you know, having the scenes play out in a way that was a little more animation involved. But at the same time, when you go back to something like the one that you picked, where it's, you know, a majority of it is just text. Right. And at the same time, that's just as powerful or could be even more powerful sometimes based on the quality of writing, which was certainly the case with uh, Siren Call. So that is that for this week. Uh, but if you are a developer of an indie horror game, demo, concept, or game jam entry, we'd love to hear from you. So drop us a DM at SaferInPod on Twitter or SaferInPod at gmail.com on email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed for the show. Uh, or you could even head to the DMs of Horrorbytes underscore SR on Twitter if you'd like to be promoted there. Uh, Jay, pleasure as always. We'll see you all next week. In the meantime, we'll keep searching for more Horrorbytes. Bites.